Today, um, we're going to start on an exciting book of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1. Um, so we have, uh, we're over in 1 Timothy, we're going into 2 Timothy, chapter 1. And um, uh, it's so, I, you know, there's so much in here, there's so much good deposit in here. Um, so I, my title of my sermon, You Have a God Deposit in You. Sometimes we forget what kind of deposit that God has in store for us. So today, 2 Timothy will just enlighten us today. And there's so much, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I want to read, um, I tell you what, no, let's read it together, shall we? Is that okay? It's, it's not that long, it's only verses 3 to 14, but let's read it together. One, two, three. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I reminded you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, He has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immorality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We want to thank you, Father God, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us today and you would put a good God deposit within our hearts today. So we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to be in our presence, to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, media, for switching. I will say next. That will be your cue. All right. Anyways, today, this is a really rich portion of Scripture. I can't expand it all, but the context of 2 Timothy or even 1 Timothy is it was written by Paul, but it was written by Paul whilst he was in prison. So he was already in Rome in prison, and he wrote this letter to his, uh, his mentee, to his uh, disciple, uh, Timothy. Timothy is a much, much younger guy. Timothy has been entrusted by Paul to be the uh, senior pastor of the church of Ephesus. Now, Timothy, in context, if you, if you don't know who Timothy is, go back all the way to the overview of Timothy and you will find out all about Timothy. But in a nutshell, he's a really shy person. He's a really timid person. He's a really, he doesn't have much confidence. So in this letter, Paul is reminding him and he's, he's trying to encourage him and empower him in the gospel. But the first part of it, um, I highlighted, it says, I, I remember, I recall, I'm reminded uh, 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 in, in Scripture. Well, not next yet. It's okay. The first part of Scripture. Verses 3 uh, to 6, I believe. In that part, yes. If you, if you read it, and I don't want to go into it much, one more minute in this, in this Scripture. If you read it, you need to read it as I was reading it. I put myself in the, in, in the shoes of the Apostle Paul. You see, the reason why he has to remember, he has to recall, he has to remind himself, and by the way, in the Greek, it's even more beautiful because these are four different Greek words. In English, it's almost the same, right? Remember, I recall, I, I, you know. But in Greek, it's four different words to, to connotate four different things, and it's a whole sermon in itself. But Paul was sitting in prison in chains. 
And it's a Roman prison, right? So it's not, it's not like modern prison. It's Roman prison. He's sitting in chains. And to encourage himself, and in order to encourage Timothy, his disciple, he writes, I remember, I recall the time. And I love one part. It says, I re, uh, where is it? Re, verse 4, recalling your tears, I long to see you. You know, that, that, that has a, uh, in Acts chapter 20, when Paul was, uh, said goodbye to Timothy and said goodbye to his friends and they was departing, there was just one verse in the whole, uh, in the whole book of the Bible that says, and, uh, and everybody there was in tears when they said goodbye to Paul because Paul was going on a missionary journey, whatever it may be, all right? And they were saying goodbye and that's where he writes in 2 Timothy. As Paul is sitting in the prison, he recalls the tears you know, and I just, I thought I want to say this because how many of us here in, in church, you've been in cell, you've been in church long enough, if somebody says goodbye, that you, you, you really cry, I, I will really miss you. And it's not romantic, it's not about husband and wife, it's just friends. If you don't come to church, somebody will say, I would really miss you. I want you to just think about it. I want us to form a community in this church, a camaraderie in this church, that if you don't come to church, there will be somebody that will miss you. And somebody will write you a long WhatsApp text that says, I recall your tears and I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. All right? So just, just think about your friends that you have not seen in church for a long time. And just today, after the service, may the, may the Holy Spirit inspire you. Send them a WhatsApp text. You know, I recall the tears, you know, and I long to see you. Can I see you next week in service? All right? So just invite them back to church. And I really pray that the cell groups in this church, the ministry groups in this church, you would form such a, a friendship that when, when, when you don't see somebody for one, one week, you, you, you will cry. Tears of joy when you see them again. Is that okay? All right, but I thought that's the context. But it's such a sweet revelation that when I read this, I go, wow, the relationship between Paul and Timothy has to be so tight, so close, that when, you, when you know, I don't see you for one week, I really long, I really miss you because we, you know, we're such great friends in the kingdom of God. And with whatever that is going around, uh, around the world now these days, we really need that friendship and bond to really encourage one another in Christ. Otherwise, we will, be, we, we will be so easily go wayward in this world. We need that kind of friendship. But today, I don't want to talk about that. That's two minutes. I want to go into my first point. You know, God has put a God deposit in you. I don't want to read this verse. Thank you. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14. Guard the good deposit. Now, I want to, I want to think, I highlighted the word deposit. What does deposit mean to you? You know, there's, there's something that came to me in, in, in first, my first impression of the word deposit, and my first impression of the word deposit was wrong. So I would just think about it. I'll tell you my first impression of the word deposit, right? What, what, the, what does deposit mean to you? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that came to my mind is money? Okay, good. Good. You, you are right. I'm 100% wrong. The first thing that came to my mind is, is mineral deposits. All right? No? Is this... Am I the weird one? Yes, I am the weird one. All campus students says I am the weird one. I think of mineral deposits. I was thinking, wow, God has put a gold deposit within me. I was like so encouraged. God, thank you, Jesus. He's put a gold deposit within me. He's put gems, diamonds, you know, within me. And there's a deposit within me, all right? Not a bad one, not a calcium deposit, all right? That's a bad for your heart. All right, but a gold deposit, which is, you know, but then I read the Greek, and that's not what deposit means. And I go, wow, I was wrong. So this is what deposit means. Next slide. Deposit is, is a parathike. It is a property or valuables entrusted to another who then takes responsibility for it. So you're right. It's a money deposit. It's just like putting your money in the bank. You put your deposit in the bank, all right? That's a deposit. That's, and by the way, it only appears, this word, parathike, the deposit that you entrust to somebody, which you entrust a bank, is only found in this book. Every other deposit in other books, for example, in the book of Ephesians, which I may read later, there's also the Holy Spirit as a deposit. That's a different kind of deposit. But this deposit, it's only found in 2 Timothy. So I want to focus on that deposit just a little bit. You see, in this, like for example, when you have money, no, no, you do have money, all right? You want to put it in the bank. I don't know about you, 
But if it's your first time, okay, just imagine, I know for some of us, you know, your, your first paycheck was yesterday. I don't know, long time ago. I don't know, however old you are. Just remember the first time you have your paycheck. You would have to decide which bank you want to put it in, correct? You have to decide. But nowadays, days, I think your company decides for you, right? But, you know, back in my days, I have to decide uh, when I have my first paycheck, which bank I want to de uh, deposit it in, and then the company would, would get that bank details and then put it in, in that bank. And I have to decide. So I was going through the list of Malaysian banks or whatever it may be, um, uh, uh, and I go, okay. And when I was, I was, I was, I was is this bank trustworthy? Is it a trustworthy bank? Have you ever asked that question? When you put your money in the bank, is it trustworthy? Will they lose your money? For example, in this year alone, we know two big international banks, one Swiss bank, one American bank, that closed, went bankrupt, and everybody lost their money. So praise the Lord for Malaysian banks, right? We're doing okay, right? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, but you've got to ask yourself, is your bank trustworthy enough like, for example, nowadays, days, we, don't, we don't put deposits anymore. Nowadays, we have apps. We, you know, we pay everything by apps. You're going to need to trust the Touch and Go app, the Grab app, the Alipay app, whatever app, that when you put your money in the app, number one, they're not going to take your money. You're going to have to trust that when you pay, that when it says 500 ringgit there, it's not just a number. All right? When you actually pay, you go to the shop, that there is a money transaction that happens, right? You're going to have to put your trust. Now, for us, it's so... It comes second nature to just trust in an institution, to just trust in an app or a company that holds your money. Now, I want to ask, in 2 Timothy, it says that God has put a good deposit in you. First question, what is that good deposit? But second question, I want us all to realize that if we need a measure of trust to put our valuables and our property in an institution to safeguard it for us, then God has put a deposit in your life. Do you know what that means? It means the Lord of heaven and earth, that creator God, He trusts you with something very valuable that belongs to Him that we as Christians, sometimes we forget that as ambassadors of Christ, we represent the Most High. We hold something valuable inside of us that we should never look down, nor should we ever forget, nor should we ever mishandle and mistrust. That God trusts you with something valuable that belongs to Him to safeguard until you see him again. God puts his trust in you. For some of us here, you know, as, as, I, as, as we talk about trust, when you go to work, maybe your colleagues don't trust you. Maybe your boss don't trust you. Maybe your workers don't trust you. When you're in a marriage, maybe your spouse don't trust you. Maybe your kids don't trust you. All right, everything has, has gone haywire in all these examples, right? As you come to church, maybe you don't trust people. Maybe people don't trust you. As you go to your schools, if you take your exams, whatever it may be, that there is have to be a level of trust, and it's not easy to place that trust into somebody else's hands. If you ask me to withdraw my life savings right now and to entrust it to one of you here, I will need 120 days of fast and pray. To really, God, I have to entrust you with whatever I have, however much it may be, right? Same for you towards me, the God of heaven and earth has put his valued thing and entrusted within you. So if you, if, you have, if you walk into here today and you have that, a bit of a self-esteem doubt, if you're a bit insecure, you're not too sure if people can trust you, you, maybe you have done something that maybe it doesn't warrant people's trust, then you're trying to recover from it, you're trying to forgive yourself, maybe you are trying to forgive somebody else that broke your trust, whatever it may be, I want you to tell yourself that the Father in heaven trust you. You are that worth that God has placed on you. You are, you are so filled with His image and His worth that whatever you've done on earth, He still trusts you. 
So just do me a favor. In just 30 seconds, just close your eyes a little bit. Close your eyes a little bit. And then I want you to repeat after me. Just, just imagine Father God in heaven. Just, just think about it. Just imagine him sitting on his throne, the majesty of his throne. He's covered in a white robe. His throne is filled with gold, silver, and gems and diamonds. The path that, that leads to his throne is filled with emeralds and rubies. The whole sky is lit up bright with his splendor and his majesty. And then he says to you right now, I trust you. So I want you to repeat after me. My father, trust me. My father, entrust me with his valued possession, with his valuables. I am a trustworthy person. Amen. Amen. And I hope you leave today feeling a little bit that you are entrusted with something. But I want to ask, what are you entrusted with? What do you think? What are you entrusted with? What is God's valued thing that He has entrusted into your hands? It's found in the book of 2 Timothy, and I want to read it to you. Next slide. What you heard from me, verse 13, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. You see, God has entrusted us with two things according to this chapter, all right? There may be more in the whole book of Bible. I'm just talking about 2 Timothy. He entrusted us with two things. He deposited two things in our lives. And the first one is sound teaching, is sound doctrine. It is the Word of God. He has entrusted you with His Word. By the way, His Word is the manifest flesh of Jesus Christ. This is, this is His Word. This is Him. This is holy. This is His Himself that He placed in you and He entrusted to your care. He entrusted you just like an investment in a bank where every month you deposit one ringgit, the next month you deposit one ringgit. By the time you retire, I don't know you have that much. I am not an economist. I'm not an accountant. I don't know what the math is, right? But I'm sure if every, you know, you heard it all the time, but every month, just be, just be diligent, just be self-disciplined. Put 50 ringgit every month. And by the time you retire, you have so much, so much, so much. It's like an investment because there's something called compound interest all right, which I'm not going to explain, right, because this is about Scripture today. But the good deposit that God has placed in your life, which is the Scripture, which is sound doctrine, is almost like an investment. It is almost like compound interest. That's why when we start out as young Christians, when we're baby Christians, we drink milk. So when I was a young Christian all those many years ago, I remember the first chapter that I memorized and place that deposit in my life. Now, I memorize verses. Now, we all know John 3.16. Of course, we memorize that. We all know Genesis 1.1. We memorize that, right? We all know Genesis 1.1. No, okay, we'll go through Genesis 1.1. We all know Revelations, you know, 22. We, all, we memorize that. But the first chapter that I memorized as a Christian is Psalms 1 to 1. All right? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Ba, 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 all the way to the end. And I memorized it. And every day, believe me this, for 40 days, because that's one of my things, for 40 days, I would memorize the psalm and I would recite it to myself every day. And from that day, which was years ago, from that day onwards, I would memorize chapter by chapter by chapter. And so happened always, you know, it's always a psalm. Until today, I don't know why. Psalm 9, Psalm 19, Psalms 23. Later on in my life, it's only Psalms 23, Psalms 39, Psalms 139. I really love Psalms that ends with the letter 9. I don't know why. I find it all very, very profound. One day I'll talk about it. But to me, it's like compound interest. There is a deposit that God is putting in my life, or I am putting God's deposit into my life. And it works. And every time there's a battle, I would draw it out and I would fight. And every time I'm discouraged, I would draw it out and I would fight. And every time I'm feeling down, I would draw it out and I would encourage myself. So all I want to say about this point is, encourage yourself by putting God's deposit in your life. I tell you what, when you deposit God's Word in your life, day by day, week by week, month by month, honestly speaking, it doesn't benefit me much. I don't know how much it would benefit your family. I don't know how much you benefit whatever it is. It benefits you the most. 
There is a secondary benefit. You become a better person for your spouse, of course. You become a better father for your kids, of course. You become a better worker you know, in, your, in your workplace, of course. Those are very good benefits, but most of all, it builds you up as a person. And then you realize that God has entrusted His Word onto us. Do you know that not everybody has the Word of God available just like us, so free, so there, and we all sometimes take it for granted, just like Sometimes we take the banks for granted that 100% my money is there. We take that for granted and we take this for granted too. But the second point that I want to make, what is the second thing that God has entrusted to us? So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Me means Paul, his prisoner. Rather join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 8. He deposited the gospel, the testimony of Jesus Christ within us. And that testimony of Jesus Christ that is deposited in you is not meant to be placed in a safe deposit. That deposit is meant to transform your life and to transform someone else's life. That the power of the gospel is placed in you. And Paul here says, do not be ashamed of that testimony about our Lord. Sometimes we feel ashamed of Jesus. Am I not right? We feel ashamed. Like, I feel ashamed that I'm a Christian. You know, I was just talking to somebody very recently that this person is the only Christian in the workplace. And he finds it so difficult to be a Christian in the workplace because of the conversation that's going on, especially in, in, in the current climate uh, of, of whatever it may be, the values that the company holds. He finds it very difficult. And I said, that's Okay. That's okay, but the only question I have for you, are you ashamed to be a Christian? Do you say, when people ask you, because I guarantee you, they will ask you, what is your religion? What do you do on a Sunday? What do you do on a Wednesday night? What do you do on a Friday night? Come on, let's go. Whatever they, you know, whatever they do. Are you willing? No, I can't. I sell group. Are you ashamed to be a Christian? And Paul says, he has deposited that in you. Do not be ashamed of the power that God has placed in you. For example, are we ashamed of the bank that we put our money in? The only reason you don't want to tell people is maybe because you've got nine digits in that bank and you don't want people to know. That's all. So, you know, I, why are you asking me? All right, but if I ask you, for example, me, I don't, I, I don't have that much, so please don't, don't hack my account. All right? Um, um, it's not worth your time, trust me. All right? Pick somebody else. All right? But if you ask me, like, I've got an account in Alliance and Maybank, I'm not ashamed to tell you that. That's the bank that I chose as my trusted bank, you know, institution. What about you? I'm sure you, you know, easy. What, what app do you use? You know, I don't use Alipay, I just use Touch and Go. That's it. I'm not ashamed of Touch and Go, but sometimes we feel ashamed of being a Christian. Sometimes when people ask you, we don't want to say because of the backlash. Why? Why are we not ashamed of these things of the world? But sometimes we're ashamed of being a Christian. But I want to I focus on this little point here. Or of me, his prisoner. Now I want to ask this question. Paul says, do not be ashamed of me, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of me. I want to ask, are you ashamed of being in SIVKL? Are you ashamed of some Christians here? Ooh. Are you ashamed of being in the cell group? Are you ashamed? Like, like if someone asks you, hey, do you know Adam? Why? Because Adam is a good guy. Yes, I know him. I'm his good friend. No, you know this Adam, right? I don't know. I don't like this Adam. You know, he's got his face. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know him. Yeah, I don't know. But you sit next to him every week in service one. Woo! Are you ashamed of being a Christian? And Paul says, do not be ashamed of me. I tell you what, I tell you what. You know, sometimes I, you know, I have the privilege of going out. I am never ashamed of calling SIBKL my home. This is my church. I'm never ashamed. It does not matter to me whether we did well, we did not do well. It doesn't matter to me how big, how small. It doesn't matter to me because this is my church. And I want to say, if you come from another church, don't be ashamed of your church. Just go to your church. Don't be ashamed of your church. Don't be ashamed of the people in your church. Don't be ashamed of your cell group because at the end of the day, God has divinely placed you here. God has divinely placed the people in your cell to be your cell members for whatever reason it may be. Do not be ashamed. Let me ask you, for example, when, ask, when somebody asks me, are you married? Of course, right? Obviously. Like, Who's your wife? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. You know? Don't ask. I don't, I don't know. No! Everybody knows that she's my wife. Like, I'm not ashamed. I'm not, I have nothing to be ashamed about. 
everybody knows she's my wife, right? Until she does something that I go, I don't know, I did not ask her to do that, right? No, I, yeah, that's, you know, she, did. she makes mistakes, I make mistakes, we all make mistakes, it's okay. That's my wife, I'm not ashamed. So I want to ask, I want to, I want to, I want to tell you, that the pastors of this church, not just me, the pastors of this church, I guarantee you, the pastors of this church, we are pastors of this church because we are not ashamed of you. We, we, we are not embarrassed that you are, we are part of the same church. We will gladly boast about you, if not Jesus Christ, we will boast about you, we will rave about you, we will say, we would, we would unashamedly say that this is the best church in the world, all right, even though all churches belong to God and all churches are equal in God's eyes, we, we will still unashamedly say we're the best church in the world, but I want to ask, are you ashamed of us? Are you ashamed of us as pastors? Is, this, is Pastor Isaac your pastor? Yeah, why? What did he do now? <laughs> right. You know, I shouldn't us. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm proud, right? For example, I'm proud. I, and I was thinking, I was praying, like, who, I, you, we all know I'm proud of the next-gen pastors. But today, honestly, I'm saying, I'm proud of the Chinese church pastor. Do you know that Pastor Gilbert's a Chinese church pastor? Do you know? It's like, so if, if you're a Mandarin, you have friends who are Mandarin, please come tomorrow, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, all right? In the other building is our Chinese Mandarin service. They're already full. Please make them more full, okay? Because they're, you know, they're full with life. I was there last week. Wow, their worship is, is amazing. But I'm not ashamed. He's our Chinese. By the way, he's better than all of us, all right? He pastored two churches, English and Chinese. Don't play play, man. Don't play play, man, I tell you. It's true. I'm not ashamed. For example, are you ashamed of Pastor Chi and Pastor Li Chiu? No. You're proud that they're your senior pastors? Yeah. Hallelujah! We're proud, man. We're proud that they're senior pastors. So I ask, are you ashamed to be in SIBKL? Are you proud of SIBKL? Yeah. When people ask you, right, which church are you from? What do you say? Yeah. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! And if you're, not pr- if you're proud of this church, then you should be even more proud that you are an ambassador of Christ. You should be proud that you are followers of Jesus Christ. You should be proud that you are disciples of Jesus Christ. So at your workplace, now I'm not asking you to go and boldly just, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Please, use wisdom, all right? Use wisdom, pray about it, fast and pray about it, whatever it is. But when when the push comes to shove and people ask you, and I really love, um, I think it's in Romans, that if you're ashamed of Jesus, Jesus will be ashamed of you. I think it's Luke, sorry, the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel says, if you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you. So I am not ashamed to call myself a Christian, especially in this era where there's so much attacks against Christian that our values are being attacked. What our sexuality, our gender, our values, our archaicness, our dress code, our conservatism, our liberalism, everything will be attacked left, right, center, who we support, who we don't support, are we in politics, not politics, everything in Christianity, we are under attack. And that is why sometimes we inherit the spirit of timidity. Because we feel so attacked that we shy away from the things of this world. But today, I want to remind us all that we do not carry a spirit of timidity, but we carry a spirit that I am proud to be a Christian. I'm also proud to be Malaysian. I'm proud to be SIBN. I'm also proud to be a Christian. Amen? Amen? And that is the deposit that God has placed within you. And in that deposit, if we are not ashamed of Christ, Christ will not be ashamed of us. And in that day when you see Him again, when you see God the Father again, the God the Father will say, hey, Jesus, do you know this guy? <laughs> Who is this? Who is this guy? And Jesus will either say, uh, no clue. Never seen or heard of him in my entire life. Or, yes, of course I know him. I stand in the gap for him. Whatever wrong he did, Jesus has taken it all. Whatever sins he has, Jesus has taken it all. And he has bled and he has shed for us. And now we're white as snow. We walk into the heavenly gates. Hallelujah. If you are not ashamed of him, he will not be ashamed of you. So don't worry. Don't fret. Don't be shy. Don't be timid. Stand up for your faith. Add a small caveat with wisdom that you pray for, okay? I'm not asking you to go and stand up on your face. No, 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 okay? Whatever that means, all right? Because I I know I'm alive. All right, next point. Next next scripture. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, obviously, you know, verse 14 is my anchor scripture here. Guard the good deposit. 
If there is a deposit in you, if you put your money in the bank, I think we want to do whatever it takes to make sure our banking system is doing well. That's why every day we read about Bank Nagara. We read what are they doing? What are they doing? We make sure, you know, good people, good people there, pray for the institution because whatever they do determines our banking system, whatever it may be, right? So we pray for those in authority. First Timothy 1, am I right? Uh, First Timothy 2, pray for those in authority over kings so that we can live in life in peace godliness and holiness. Amen. So let's always pray for those in authority. But God says, guard this good deposit. What is the first thing that you think of when I say the word guard? You think of guards, right? You think of guards. I did not have that as my first impression. But this time, I'm correct in my first impression. All right? Guard the good deposit. The question is, how do we guard? What do we guard? When do we guard? Why do we guard? The first impression that came to me when this word guard came up, is this picture. Ah. <laughs> I told you I'm from a different species, all right? Coming open, I may be from Venus and Mars, I don't know, all right? This, by the way, you know this animal? It's a meerkat, meerkat. You know the meme? Meerkat. Okay, I'm a millennial. All right, it's okay, all right. Is it? Pretend that didn't happen, campus people, all right? Um, <laughs> so this is a meerkat. Uh, did you know that meerkats have to forage for food? So they have to dig the ground, right? So if, okay, you can, don't, not now, just go home and Google it later. They will forage the ground. So they're really, really, they're really, really cute things, all right? Like this, to me, this is always, his, what's his name? Timon. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Cyrus. Cyrus always gets it right, you know, it's Sarawakian to Sarawakian, all right? His name is Timon, all right? Pumbaa is somewhere around, just in case you didn't know, okay? Uh, uh, so meerkats are uh, uh, cute things. So they would forage. They would, it's not like the movie, the cartoon, that does, they do not open a log and eat worms. Okay, that's Lion King. That's just, that's just, that doesn't happen in real life. They would eat the ground and they'll eat whatever it may be, right? But because they're so small and because, technically speaking, they don't look fierce, they look like a prey. So they are easily preyed upon and all sorts of predators, including eagles, hawks, you know, you know whatever it may be, uh, will prey on them and eat them. So... There will be a group of them foraging, and then there will be a group of them when they, you see them pop up, meerkats, they're on guard duty. They're called guardians. So when they stand up on their hind two legs, they are up because they're looking out for predators, and they will make a funny sound to which I do not want to emulate today because I do not want to do meerkats injustice. I cannot make that sound. Um, but they will make their sound. So there is, there is 30 different sounds that a meerkat will make in order to warn their, their family and their friends uh, whether it's safe, keep doing it, or whether there's a danger coming, or, or stop, or caution, whatever it may be. There's 30 different types of sounds they will make. But, if you, but they're so cute. They stand on high and they guard. To guard means to watch. To watch for somebody that will come and take away your possession or your valuables or your deposit. To guard means to watch over, to protect, to be on a lookout to guard. And there is a level up from these meerkats. This is something you, if you didn't know, now you know this. Did you know meerkats can climb? So they will be in all the guards, all right? Let's just, as a campus student, you are now the guards of Service One, all right? For example, well, welcome to the front row. You are the guards of Service One, okay? Let's just assume you are, you meerkat, all right? So you're guarding, every, you're looking out, so make sure nobody attacks Service One, make sure everybody is spiritually safe. You are the prayer team. You make sure everybody is spiritually sound, spiritually protected, but there will be one amongst you that would climb to a higher position. There's only one meerkat, and this meerkat is called the sentinel. There will be one meerkat that will climb to a high position because in that high position, that sentinel will be able to spot even farther and even greater things. I really love this example. I have two more, but I love this example because all the meerkats are like, are like, are like the prayer team that is praying over the church. I like the head of the household. We just prayed for the families, right? The, the husbands or the fathers of the household praying over the family, keeping watch over your family, not being abused to be like a horse uh, at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, don't worry, I'm doing my job, doing my job <laughs> as a horse. But these meerkats are like, are like the prayer team, keeping guard over this church. But every so often, you get a sentinel. And these sentinels to me are like your cell leaders. These sentinels to me are like your zone leaders, your ministry leaders, your pastors in this church. 
that would really stand up high, that if the eagle will come and swoop first, they will eat this guy first. This guy died first before the foraging guy. All right? So you got to pray for us. That's like, don't be ashamed of us. Leaders, I, I'm, leaders and, and cell leaders, zone leaders, ministry leaders, I'm representing all of you pastors. I'm representing all of you now, council and elders. Don't be ashamed of us, church, because we are the sentinels of the life. We're the sentinels of the church. We pray and we watch over the church. If there's anything happening, if the enemy comes, they attack us first. We take it first. And sometimes that is what, that is what it means to guard to watch over your great deposit. But sometimes, in the next picture, all is quiet, all is good. And this is also a good picture of guard, all right? So you're standing there, you're on guard, and everybody can be on guard because there's no war, there's no conflict, there's nothing, there's peacetime, and you're just walking around, and you're parading, you do your everyday thing. This is your doing your everyday style life. This is your coming to church every, every week. This is your coming for prayer meetings every Tuesday. You're just doing it, even though war, no war. You're just doing guard duty. But sometimes, next picture, you get this, and we need to put on armor and the armor of God. Because when war hits, when the spirit, when, by the way, okay, let me caveat this, yeah? Spiritual war, all right? Not talking about actual war, yeah? When a spiritual war hits, when there is a battle in the heavenlies, we are going to need to put on the armor of God and go to war and guard that was what is valuable in our life. And in order for us to put this on to guard against a spiritual battle and fight that spiritual battle, we need to understand that we're fighting to guard something. Because sometimes we're so lackadaisical in our prayer life. We're so lackadaisical in our word life because we do not understand that the enemy is coming for you to steal your deposit, to steal your excitement for Jesus to steal your joy for, for church, to steal your passion for the gospel, to steal your, your love for the Word of God, your love for Jesus, to steal your passion for evangelism. The devil is coming to steal. But if we do not think that that deposit is good enough or that deposit is valuable, we will just let it happen. We will just let it go. But if we understand that it is valuable, that what is stored in us was entrusted by the Most High to be kept in our hearts, we will put on the armor of God and we will fight a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle to fight against your soul and your spirit and our nation and this world. We need to wake up. That's why sometimes, church, I, I really feel like we should do a series, a 12-week series on Wake up, arise and shine, church, because it is not time to sleep. If we believe that this is the end times, it is no longer the time to slumber. It is no longer the time to sleep. It is the time to wake up and to fight for what is valuable. If, the end, if somebody were to come to my house to try to break open my front door to attack my family, I would give my life because the three of them, my two sons and my wife, they are the most valuable things to me. I would give my life. But I would also give my life to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is worth it. I would, I would give this whole world, to lose this whole world, but never lose my soul and to gain eternal life in Christ Jesus. And every day as I pray, God, how? How? Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I can't do it on my own flesh. If it's up to me, I will binge watch Star Wars again and again and again. Yeah, I would watch Ahsoka again and again and again, no matter how bad I think it is. If it's up to me, I would just relax and chill on a Tuesday night. I don't need to go pray altars. I would just chill. I don't need to go to cell. I don't need to visit people. I don't have to visit zone. I would just chill, man. Because I don't think it's worth to fighting for. But God says, I will send you a help. Because sometimes our flesh is weak. I'll send you a help. And that help is called the Holy Spirit. You guard, you guard your deposit. You can't do it yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. And that's why I love the next verse. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
love and self-discipline. Give me five minutes to just explain this because I know this is one of the verses that I memorized. And I want us all to memorize it today. So we're going we're gonna to repeat it like a thousand times before the service is over. Is that okay? I want us to memorize it because it really helped me when I was a younger Christian. Because sometimes I really, God, I don't want I don't, I don't, I don't to do these things. God, I, I don't want to stand up for you. God, I don't want to, when God has a prompt within me to tell your friend about the gospel, I say, God, I don't want to. Believe me, there's one time, one time, maybe one day I'll tell you the full story, but in a short version, I was in a car back in my younger days, before I became a staff, I was driving my friend, uh, he was a non-believer, and in the middle of the journey, I heard the Holy Spirit says, tell him about Jesus and invite him to church. And I went, you must be insane. All right, we're talking about everything else but Jesus. Let's not switch this conversation to make me uncool, Jesus. All right, That's, your job is to make me cool. Thank you very much. I just, no, tell him about me and invite him to church. I said, what happened if I lose my friendship? Tell him about me, invite him to church. And then when we stopped the car, I, I developed that confidence. Hey man, we've been friends for a long time. Why don't you come to church this weekend? Nah, that's okay. Thank you very much. But, but next weekend, uh, next, next weekend. Thank you very much. I won't tell you the ending. Cliffhanger. But the point of this story is not whether he came to church. The point of this story is that I realized from that day onwards that I was ashamed of the gospel. I was ashamed to be identified as a Christian. And God says, the Holy Spirit will not, when the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of timidity. That whenever you feel the shyness within you, like Timothy, he was a shy guy, a timid guy. He was a guy that does not like to speak to a crowd. He was a guy that does not like to assert himself. And God says, when the Holy Spirit rests upon you, He will give you a spirit of power the dunamis of God. This spirit of power is not a spirit of power that would exert for no good reason. It is not to riot. It is not to go out there and punch people. It's not to say, I'm the alpha male in the room. Look at me, look at me. No, that's not the spirit of power. The spirit of power comes upon you because you may still be naturally a shy person, but when the Holy Spirit says, talk about me, you will gain that spirit of power and authority and confidence to say, I belong to Jesus. That can only come from the Holy Spirit, that spirit of power, that dunamis power that lives in you. And when we feel shy, God makes us into soldiers. God makes us into heroes of old. And He says, I will give you a spirit of love. Because when you tell somebody about the gospel, if you do not have the spirit of love, then it's just called Bible bashing. Then it's just called thumping. You might just take your Bible and throw it at somebody else. Your words have no love in it. And God says, I not only give you that power to be confident in the gospel, I also accompany it with the spirit of love. So that when I tell you and you reject, that's okay. I still love you. I tell you because I love you. I tell you because I love that your soul is not going to damnation, but your soul will go into eternity with Jesus Christ. And that is why I tell you about the gospel. That is why I dare invite you to church. And then lastly, God says, I will give you the spirit of self-discipline. In the KJV, it's a sound mind. In the NIV, it's self-discipline. This self-discipline is a discipline of your mind and your discipline of your actions. Because, by the way, this verse is a fly high, last long verse. Because God gives you to fly high with the spirit of power and love. But what is the point if you only fly high for two weeks? The spirit of self-discipline will make you last long until you see Him again. There's so many people that just punch it halfway. There's so many people that just run away halfway. There's so many people that just, ah, this church thing is too difficult for me. But God says, no, I will give you a spirit of a sound mind and of self-discipline so that we read our word again and again. We read and we pray again and again. We come to church week after week after week. 
That is the spirit of self-discipline that God is giving you. That is the deposit that God has placed within you. And the moment we feel like we do not want to do it, call upon the Holy Spirit. The moment we feel like we're not good enough, call upon the Holy Spirit. The moment we feel like we're embarrassed of Jesus, call upon the Holy Spirit. The moment we feel like what's in us is not valuable, that you are not worthy of God, call upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will push you forward. The Holy Spirit will give you that confidence. Amen, church? What is the deposit that God has placed within you? You are valuable and God trusts you. If God trusts you, do not let Him down. You are trustworthy to be holding the divine Word of God placed within you. The gospel and the testimony of Jesus Christ placed within you. Then God says, you guard it. You watch over it. You do not let the enemy steal it from you. Do not let discouragement steal it from you. Do not let depression steal it from you. And the moment you feel you're weak, call upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be there to help you. The Holy Spirit will pull you forward. So what I want to do, I want us all to declare this. I'm going to flip the next slide, which is my last slide. I want, to, I want to say a few things, and I want us to speak it into our spirit today. I want us to leave this place strong. I want us to leave this place knowing to whom we belong, to whom we believe, just like Paul said, I know to whom I believe, and I know to whom I belong. So I'm going to say a few things about guarding, deposit, and Holy Spirit, and I want you to repeat after me, and I want us to declare it, and we will move into our last song. Is that okay, church? Can we raise off, rise to our feet? And I want to say, I'm going to say, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit. Is that all right, church? We're going to declare it with me, and I want to prepare you for this. When I go into the Holy Spirit, I want us all, for two to three minutes, engage with the Holy Spirit within us. I want us all to pray in tongues. I'm not going to be ashamed of praying in tongues in this church. Because we believe in praying in loud tongues. We believe in praying in tongues. One day we will explain to you about praying in tongues. If you don't understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit class, Pastor Chiu has it once, twice a year. This morning, ayah, you just missed it. Don't worry, you stay in this church. Next year, punada, ada. Next year, we will still have it, okay? It's a good, good class. He will explain to you about praying in tongues. But in this church, we're not ashamed. We pray in tongues. I want us all to build ourselves up in the Holy Spirit and then we will praise Him. Amen? So we'll say it together, I will guard. I will guard. I will watch over. I will watch over. I will look out. I will protect. I will protect. The good deposit. The, good the divine word. The testimony of Jesus Christ. The scripture. The <laughs> sorry, sorry. What? Did I say divine word already? I have right. Hallelujah. Say it again. The divine word. The divine word. The valued possession of God. Within me. And I will ask the help of the Holy Spirit. My comforter. My paraclete. My best friend. The God of heaven that lives in me will help me. Be the best Christian that I know. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray in the Spirit. Come on, church. Let's build ourselves up. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Fill us, oh God. Fill us, oh God, with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, Father God. Live in us. Be with us. Build us up. Trust us. Thank you, God, for trusting us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, be released in this place, Father Lord Jesus. Fill us in this place, Father God. Build us up, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. 